And that's when people say to me, like, I'm not a fan of rap music. I'm not a fan of this. I'm like, you probably are. You just don't realize it. You know, subconsciously, you probably are. There's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of, um, lot of uh, anecdotes from, from, from hip hop that you don't realize that you're actually in tune with in the music. You listen to the charts. So much of it is influenced by hip hop. Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? You had a busy day? Uh, yeah, well, it's just the start for me. So it's 7 a.m. over here. So Oh, of course, yeah. Whereabouts in the world are you? I'm in Melbourne. Okay. In, uh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. But, uh, I got family in um, in Sydney. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they've lived there. They went backpack and they ended up deciding between Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. And they stuck with Australia. And 30 years later, man, they've been there ever since, man. It's crazy. They raised a family there. So it's crazy, man. Like all my dad's side, they, they all Australian accents like yourself. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they made the right choice, to be honest. And- yeah. But sure. for anyone joining us, it's obviously the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Um, I'm with the great Lloyd Haynes, hailing from the UK. You're from Cardiff, yeah? Yeah, man. Living in Cardiff right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll be moving to London end of the year because I'm there so much. At the moment, I spend half of my week in London and half the week in Cardiff. But yeah, I'm Welsh born and bred, man. Wales. So, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to me because it's like, you know, coming from Wales, doing you know, music, the way you're doing, you're doing like, and it's cool. Like for anyone who hasn't heard Lloyd, he does a bit of everything. It's like a mix of hip hop, DJing, you know, the, and the cool thing. And it's like got grime elements. Grime is obviously built off like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the drum and bass and it's built off like the underground, you know, EDM scene. So you really have a blend of a lot of styles in terms of the music that you actually put out. For sure, man. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I like to think myself as a, as a versatile artist and as uh, my previous publisher actually said better than me. They they said, you know, what what kind of artist are you? And when I was trying to explain that, I said, look, I can't pigeonhole myself. And they said, the way that we see you is, they said, you're urban electronic. And I was like, well, that's cool. I've never heard of that before. That's cool kind of sub-brand in itself, sub-genre in itself. But I mean, I just, as I always say, I just make what I make. And if I vibe with it, I vibe with it and I roll with it, you know? Um, and that's all part of the process in, in finding yourself and finding out who you are as an artist really isn't it is a case of you know really understanding understanding music and understanding that what what sticks sticks and what doesn't doesn't and uh that's how i've always sort of done my thing man i just sort of roll with it you know um my first ever ever piece of pieces of music were, were way different again you know i was picking up a guitar and i was singing songwriter for a long long time and um when I found DJing and music production, I, I fell in love with electronic music. And even today in my productions in rap and R&B and like whatever it may be, hip hop, trap, you know, you can still hear those sort of connotations to electronic music generally, because I'll always find a way to build energy, take it down again, build them down. And in the same way that I would if I was DJing a set. Um, and I think that's important, man, because music's all about energy and vibration. So the fact that I'm able to do that and, and tap into different parts of my sort of toolkit, I think is, is what shines through in the music. Um, so yeah, man, that's where I'm at. Well, I always find it interesting because it's like, you know, in, in a weird way, and I've said this before, it feels like hip hop has a way of like infiltrating every walk of life. 
Like obviously, yeah. you know, as you said, you you did like more singer songwriter than EDM, and now hip hop has found its way into EDM. What do you think it is that like, you know, I don't know. There's just this. It has a way of like attracting you towards it. It's something that's like so understandable, but so achievable as well. I don't know. It, it's always so interesting to me. Hip hop, uh, and I said this the other day on a on a vlog of mine. Um, a situation that arose where we had to cut ties with a particular artist because of their sort of disregard um, for the black community, which just didn't sit well with me at all. And when that happened, I cut him off and I, I thought I have to make a statement to tell people the reason why I've done that. So when I did that, I jumped on and I sort of explained that, look, the black culture and hip hop together as a fusion has totally underpinned all of what we do in music. And that's not just hip hop, that's everything, jazz, soul, funk, disco, R&B, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So many elements have been influenced by hip hop. I mean, there's even like, you've even got like hip bass and, and hip house, which people don't even realize is a thing. But when you talk about ghetto house, you know, when you're talking about funky house music and, and that really old grimy analog sound from like 808 kicks on a 4-4 beat, combined with like the offbeat hats and, and then the clap on the second and everything, all that's derived from, from the hip hop culture because, you know, you throw uh, some sort of rap vocal on top, all of a sudden you've got hip house, you know? So I think I realized that probably, probably like 15, 16 years old, I'd been DJing for years at that point as a, as a kid, as a teen. And I remember in the clubs and stuff, I'd, I'd start throwing in like these like, hip hop remixes of like well-known tracks, like the Kanye's, like the Jay-Z's and, you know, even in an R&B sense, like, you know, your, your ushers, your Justin Timberlake, those kind of vocals chopped up and things like that. And I just realized the power of like a rolling baseline with, with these vocals. And I just remember thinking like, this is crazy because hip hop is always going to be timeless. Always. If you go to like some sort of bashment rave and then you hear like, you, you hear that old like Nelly kind of vocal instantly you're going to start grooving in a different way. And I just think that like hip hop is just so timeless in, in its nature that that's why when I'm, when I'm making music, I'm always going to tap into that heritage all the time because it's what, it's what I, I listened to as a kid, you know, it's what, it's what was playing on my Sony Walkman when I'm walking to the school bus stop, man. Like it has totally underpinned everything that we do. And that's why when people say to me, like, I'm not a fan of rap music. I'm not a fan of this. I'm like, you probably are. You just don't realize it, you know, subconsciously, you probably are. There's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of, um, lot of uh, anecdotes from 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 hip hop that you don't realize that you're actually in tune with in the music. You listen to the charts; so much of it is influenced by hip hop. Um, so I think it's I think it's always going to stick around to say the least, for sure. Yeah, you know? I agree. I mean, I always say like you know you can see now, especially in pop music, they're using hip hop beats and they're getting rappers to feature more than they ever have. Like the yeah. featuring game changed everything. Like that was a hip hop thing. Having like, you know, just get another artist to jump on your track, you know, spit bars. And I think you're right. I think they, people who say they're not into hip hop or not into rap, they assume it's just like the lyrical heavy flow, you know, classic, yeah. just normal, just nothing special beat, just like the boom bap. And I love the boom bap era, but I feel like people don't know what they don't know. I'm like, you have a gold digger track come on and everyone goes crazy for it. Wild. Yeah, by Wild. Usher goes crazy. It like the dance floor is filled. There is something about the music that is more than just 
the sound. It's like it makes you want That's to dance. So, so true. So true. I like the boom. I think the boom bap thing was is um, like the hardcore phase. If we see it as that, if we class it. I don't think, you know, there's be some people that says, no, there's more hardcore than that. But, you know, let's call it the hardcore phase if you're thinking from a commercial viability standpoint. And I think that a lot of people may be sort of when, when you say the word hip hop, there's so many angles to it such a broad term that's such a wide net term like there's so many different eras like now you look at uk drill versus all of a sudden now there's us drill there's canadian drill all of a sudden there, there wasn't that a couple of years ago you look at this afrobeat with hip-hop elements you know there's uk rap there's there's trap there's dancehall there's bashment there's garage all these things you know people forget the grime actually came from garage garage and funky house as a fusion has actually created grime somehow um so I think that there's so many elements to hip hop when people say, like you said earlier, you know, boom bap or rap, you know, there's so many uh, ideas to it. And I think it's, it's a generational thing as well. I know that if I go to my um, sister who's 16 years old and I say, what is rap? You know, she'll have one answer compared to somebody, you know, my age 26 or older in their 50s. Everyone's going to have a totally different answer. And if you played all tracks side by side one another, they'd almost seem like they're not the same genre, but you could still hear the tiny little... Uh, sim, sim, um, similar notes in the entire pieces, you know, that really bring it all together and create that that synergy and cohesion again. Um, but, you know, like I say, if it wasn't for hip hop, I mean, I wouldn't even be, even my dance music success and, and doing the tours that I've done, like in all these different countries, that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't, you know, the first person didn't start rapping all those years ago. Never would have happened because house music is, is and dance music has literally been derived from hip hop 100% um, and although I'm on this wave right now with, with my label out the world and everything that we're doing in, in the rap sense and hip hop sense um, you know it's it's always going to just simply come back to the music you know I make what I make I vibe what I vibe with and I think that I think we as a as a nation and really as the globe we get too caught up in you know putting titles on things way too caught up and I think that when when we finally let ourselves free of genres and start making what we want to make you know things are crazy I know so many big 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 engineers producers artists who have a lot of things on their hard drive which are so so different from what they usually put out but they're too 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 scared to put it out because it's a different genre it's a different type it's this it's that and I get it you know if you're with a, a difficult label they won't let you you know they pigeonhole you and you're not allowed to do anything at all but just by having that creative freedom, you really do set yourself free. Um, and it's also, I think it also comes down to not giving a shit about what people think as well in your releases. Um, that's something that a lot of artists I know, especially independent artists, have had to sort of battle with time and time again. Is sort of realizing, look, you know, do I put a label on this? What is this? Where, where should this go in a tape? Oh, no, it doesn't fit. It's got to go. And then it just goes in an archive and nobody ever sees it. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying to release every single little thing that you that, that you know you make, but I've certainly realized that things are better off out in the open than on this laptop. Because if it's on this laptop, does it really exist at all? I don't know. You know, that's that's the debate. I mean, there's so much to touch on, but I did want to say the cool part about hip hop is that like if you put those tracks side by side, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, 2020. You can actually see the evolution. Like the yeah. evolution makes sense in terms of where it grows, the technology. And I think hip hop uniquely embraced technology so quickly where yeah. everyone was like, because DJs and producers were like, all right, let's yeah. try do this. But 
And even still, there's more tech that they probably even haven't utilized. So we're probably going to see the continuation of like, all right, let's, because there's like 300 different settings you can put on, on, on music, on the sound. And I don't think we've got even close to using all of them. Like we just started utilizing um, auto-tune. That was yeah. the one that, that we utilized, but that's been around since the 90s. So mm. I think the evolution will see us just like using tech a lot better, but I love that it's evolving. I think that's an important part. That's why other genres don't last because they don't change. It's the same thing and it works in that era, but mm. it doesn't make sense in a new era. I think, you know, rock kind of struggles with it. You know, jazz music kind of struggles with it. They haven't really changed. It's the same kind of feeling that they had in the original stages. Like I'm sure it has changed, but like not in the way hip hop changes. It just changes so quickly, so rapidly. And it's encar- and it encourages, like you said, people to try new things. Um, and I kind of agree with you that at some point you're going to have to release your music. Like yeah, it, you just don't yeah. know until it's out there. Like you said, otherwise it just, just sits on a computer and you put effort into it. You worked on it and you don't know what you don't know. Your fans might hate it, but they also might love it and you might get new fans but you won't know until you put it out. Like I always say with the podcast, I've released my first episode and it sounded like shit, but you got to <laughs> put some, something it's out. It's the first step. And so it's the starting point, you know? And I think people being able to have a reference of that is important because I know so many artists that sort of put out music and then delete it all and then put it. And then a couple of years later, they, they put more, then they delete that a couple of years later. And then it's just a vicious cycle of, oh, well, that was never good enough. That was never good enough. Well, where's our reference? You've got no reference anymore. So when you are pitching yourself to labels and majors and whatever else you're looking for, um, you know, how can they see a real definitive timeline of your progression as an artist? And like you said, your evolution, you know, evolution doesn't just have to be in genres across decades. It can also be an artist's era. Um, and there's there's some real pioneers of creating eras, by the way. You know, you look you look at the weekend right now, the fact that he's created an era where people will associate, oh, which version of, you know, you like the weekend? Okay, cool, me too. But which version? He's created versions of himself. He's created like different fictional characters all within the one spiritual being that he is, which is just unfathomably cool. It's just unbelievable he's managed to do that. You know, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, okay, he's got a solid team around him, but that's that, it's his ideas. You know, the fact that he's been able to go right one minute I'm going to be talking about ODing and popping perks at a party and you know real hip hop, and then I'm going to talk about R&B and all this sensual stuff, and then in f- five years time I'm going to be doing like a Michael Jackson, but an elevated kind of version, a more like forward thinking Gen Z version of of you know Michael Jackson and like this disco and funk Motown infused you know, goodness is going to come through. And then let's not forget that even way before that, he was, you know, doing like come to bed kind of songs and like that really early old school lovey-dovey R&B. So it just shows that if you can create those eras in your music, um, you're onto a winner because at the end of the day, you're going to create such a strong discography over the years that people are going to start thinking, wow, if this guy's made, you know, touched, um, touched all of these different genres, touched all of these different things, where does the next five years lead us to and i think that excites a lot of labels that excites publicists that excites the media it excites the entertainment industry but a lot of independent artists fall short in the fact that they go no i just need to delete it all and then start again because it's not good enough and it's constantly the same thing again and again i see that so much man so much it's like kanye 
you know, the debate now is which era of Kanye is your favorite. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the debate. And you want that debate because Kanye now competes with himself. Kanye exactly. doesn't really compete with others. It's like, which version of Kanye do you like? And I also go, you know, which version do you like? But also, do you prefer him as a producer or do you prefer, do you prefer him as a rapper? Because I prefer him as a producer. I think the music he makes in terms of the beats, the way he used samples is unique to hip hop and change the game forever. Um, yeah. But I think you're 100% right. And, you know, I'll say personally, there are artists who evolve and then I'm not a fan of what they change into. But like, I also recognize that they can't stay the same because if they mm-hmm. stayed the same, I would also be like, I already heard this shit five years ago, man. Yeah, like, I, already, exactly. I already know this. Show me something new. So you can't always win with fans. And I recognize that within myself that you can't always win, but like you got to be true to yourself. And I think biggest mistake you can make is pretend that your music didn't exist 10 years ago, mm. even mm. if it sucked, because that journey is an important one. It's also important for your fans and other musicians to go, if this is where they started and this is where they end, it inspires more people to be like, whether it be in music or anything else, it just shows that you don't have to start perfect. You just got to yeah. start. And the evolution mm. of continually growing is what we should always strive for rather than perfection. Because there's no such thing. I already know that artists look at some of the tracks that we think as fans are amazing, and I reckon they'd hate them. Yeah, I reckon 100%. some of them are like, "This sucks." I don't know why people like it. I objective, I subjectively don't like it, but it's my biggest song. There has to be that. And so, Kanye said the same about a lot of the club tracks that he made. You know, he says that they were they were label pleasing tracks, which, and he's actually called them as devil worshiping because of the fact that they're so. Uh, they're talking about, you know, this voluptuous sex and, you know, making sure that everything is sexualized and demonic is was his word for it. Whereas now he's, you know, on this on this um, religious route, which is, you know, an incredible, incredible thing to be doing. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that people are still to this day, you know, triumphing Jesus walks shows, you know, he was sat on that track for 10 years, don't forget, 10 to 12 years he was sat on that track for before it came out. And, it, you know, even then when it came out, he still wasn't allowed to pursue this current route that he's doing via Donda and everything. Um, so it and just it shows. And it bangs yeah. in the club. Yeah. That's the thing. Jesus yeah. Walks is, I I tend not to love religious songs. That's not really what gets me going. But, like, mm-hmm. it is such a good song. And it's talking about Jesus and religion, but like you want to play it in the club, you want to feel it. And that I think that's such a unique skill to be like, here's a powerful message, but I'm going to make you love this song so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is what I'm saying about paving history and creating eras within your music. Because like you mentioned earlier, you're competing with yourself. And going back to what you said about, you know, people sort of, you know, not knowing when to start, when do I go, when do I do this, when do I do that? You know, the best, there's, there's a great quote that says the best time to plant a tree, you know, was 20, 30 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. That's the second best time. So, okay, you missed the mark on the first thing. You could have released it last week, but why not release it this week? Why not just give it that go? Whether it's the podcast, whether it's uh, the piece of music, whether it, it could be anything in the world. It could be something as simple as learning to ride a bike. It could be playing that particular game. It could be releasing that that uh, that book that you've been on about writing for all your life. It could be anything in the world, but there, there's never a better time 
than than right now. And I've literally got that exact phrase tattooed on my leg. It says, "If not now, then when," because I think I've it's something I've had to come to terms with a lot of the time, especially if you're independent. You know, even though you got a team around me, I've got a strong team around me now. But a couple of years ago, I didn't. You know, I was literally lone wolf in the entire thing. And there'd be a lot of times I'd write down like a release schedule and that would just, it would just end up not being the case because I wouldn't be self-disciplined um, enough, self-reflective enough. I wouldn't sort of take a deep look inside and be like, right, what is actually stopping me? Um, and it would just be external noise, you know, and that's all it is for a lot of people, just noise in the background. And then they go, oh yeah, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Um, and then before they know it, they've missed the mark totally. Um, one thing I've realized that the, the, the volume game seems to work a lot more these days than perhaps it used to. Now, I don't mean to put out bad music, but putting out, putting out an abundance of music um, can really, really, really help to get the profile noticed, I find, a lot of the time. Providing that music is still, of course, on par to where you want to be. But I do find that somebody who's releasing one solid track every few years compared to somebody who's releasing a tape every year, you know, total difference when it comes to audience building, especially right now. Think about how many tracks a day are dropped on Spotify, man. Like, I don't even want to hazard a guess. I don't even know the exact statistic, but I reckon it's thousands, of, like literally thousands upon thousands. How the hell can you stand out among that noise, you know, if you're not consistent? So I think it's consistency that beats everything right now. Yeah, so I, I have said before that there is a balancing act between too much and not enough. If mm. it's three years between albums, you're not, it's too yeah. long. Because no mm. one gives a shit at that point. No one cares. And yeah. only people like the the huge artists can take long breaks and then come back and people care. But if exactly. you're on your come up and you're waiting two years before you drop your next album, way too long. You need to drop yeah. more music. But if you're dropping 12 albums in one year, that to me personally is too much because I know for a fact you haven't combed through and pick the best shit Agreed. there is a there is a balancing act between too much not enough and releasing as you said good music that you're proud of versus just because i made it doesn't necessarily mean i have to throw it out and it's like contradictory to what we said at the beginning that you don't want it to sit on your laptop but there's yeah. or you also have to be self-critical enough to be like mm. that's not good enough Definitely, definitely. And I think that for me, I, for a while, I didn't, I didn't have that sort of exact threshold, I think I'd call it in my mind. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I was kind of striving toward. I didn't know what was the level. I didn't know where could I get to. I was just going, right, okay, just put this out, put this out. Like I've got some things out from years ago and the mixing's not there. Overall, the engineering's not there. Like I was in a different environment. I can tell that I wasn't as uh, skilled as I am now. I, I, all this kind of stuff. But again, at the time, that was all noise. And I just thought, no, I need to go. I just need to keep going. And I'm glad I did because now it's paving the way to where I'm right now. And, you know, now working with engineers across the country, I can really see the difference in how things are leveling up. But if I didn't already have put out all the other projects, then I wouldn't be working with all these people right now, you see. Um, the management that I've got taken on, you know, there's a big announcement coming in the next week. I can put it on here first, but Maxwell D is coming on to my management now as well from So Solid Crew. You know, the guys work with Ludacris. The guys work with some huge, huge, huge industry names. Hip and the thing is, podcast gets the exclusives. You know, facts. you know it, you know it, you know it. And um, yeah, man. So like, you know, that wouldn't have happened unless I'd already been putting out stuff for him to reference. That's exactly what he said to me on the phone. He said, look, I've heard this stuff. 
this stuff's good. I like this one, like this one, but this one's not up to par. You know, we literally went through it all. He said, these aren't good enough. These are where, you know, where I want to see how good you can be in this kind of environment. And I said, all right, give me a few months. Came back to him. I sent him, I think it was like four to six, four to six master tracks. Um, so they were strong remasters. And I was like, right, these are the, these are the new batch. This is the new shit that I got coming. Put it straight to him. And he's like, yeah, okay, now we're on a level. So this is what happens that, you know, your progression can seem like this. If, if it's not a plateau, but it's just slightly going up. And then when somebody realizes, okay, this is his discography or her discography. Okay. I can hear the potential. I can hear where they're kind of going. They just need some direction. They just need to, I don't know, sharpen up their pen game or sharpen up the engineering, sharpen up the mixing, sharpen up their marketing, their press. It could be so many different angles, sharpen up their live performances. But when you get somebody who takes you under the way, uh, their wing like that, and sees that progression, sees through all the other noise and sort of sees exactly where you're going, all of a sudden that that almost plateau kind of like curve ends up going bang. And then straight away, then things start happening, you know, like opportunities start coming. It's exponential growth. That's what it is. It, that's what happens. It's always like slow, slow, slow. And then all of, there's like this turning point where like you mm. hit it. And it's weird, like in business, they say that between the first zero and four years, you have a really huge likelihood of not making it. it takes like That's the right. first four years, but then from four plus it's growth. So like mm. if I look at it as an artist, you only start being an artist when you first drop your track. That's right. And you got to be willing. And you know, Kanye said this takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Mm. So yeah. you've got to be ready to so put true. in the work. And, you know, maybe now it's a bit faster because you can, you know, learn the marketing, the internet, whatever it is. But like the, the mindset of like, be ready for it to take time as opposed to blow up quickly is an mm. important mindset. And I think that's why you see people give up or get disheartened or like they stop because it's like you work, I worked hard for two years. It's like, yeah, everyone does. But mm. like the difference is now. Are you going to quit at four years? Are you going to quit at six? Are you going to quit at all? Because we all want to quit at some point. You know, there are some mornings I wake up and I'm like, as I said to you, it's 7 a.m. here in Melbourne. Um, I got a full day after this. I got up at 5.45 for this. So, but it's like, there are some mornings where you don't want to get up. But it's yeah. like, I know that for this to happen, I got to do it. And I want to do it. It's not that difficult. Like for you, it was it's 10 p.m. Like, That's right. I can only imagine if it was 10 p.m. for me, I want to yeah. get into bed. I want to relax. I want to, I want to have a good night's sleep. The last thing I want to do is talk to somebody when I've already had a full day and you were just sick as well. Like you had the flu. So like yeah. talking about right. the grind, like this isn't yeah. even, this is part of what you do, but this isn't even you being a musician. So like I always look at people like you and I'm like, what's your level and what can I do to make sure that I stay at that level. And I think sometimes we just got to get out of this. Woe is me kind of mentality. Like I can, True, man. it's you raising your vibrations. Bro. It's raising your vibrations. Like, like you said there, I mean, about, about hard work and that sort of discipline. Yeah. I don't believe that there's such thing as a sort of good luck as such. I genuinely believe it's purely a hard work meeting opportunity. And if you raise your vibrations to that point where you are constantly putting out good to the world, naturally you're going to get an abundance back. Simple rules of rules of the universe, laws of attraction, right? And I re I've I've realized that everything that I do, you know, 
things such as this, everything, everything. Um, all these little extras that, that we put ourselves through and sort of like go, okay, this, this is going to be tough to get to, but I know I need to do it. I've realized that at least there's so much more. Because when I help out somebody or jump on something, what I find is that it really does pay it forward. And that doesn't mean in a selfish way. It just means that it does really, you know, later down the line, something comes up. Um, I remember d- doing um, uh, a gig not too long ago, actually about six months ago. And I felt exactly like you were saying there. I felt really tired and sort of, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. It was on a New Year's Eve. And I was, again, I think I was burning the candle both ends. As I always say, I was really, really tired and stuff. And I was just thinking, do I want to just stay home and chill for New Year's and see the New Year in, you know, chilling with my dog and my girlfriend and just relax? Or do I want to go to another country, another city as well, and just sort of, you know, play a show to people that I don't actually know? And I was thinking, nah, 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 this is music. This is what I love. I need to do it. And I realized in my head, I remember saying, I actually t- I told my girlfriend, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to go 100%. I'm not going to pull out with it. I'm 100% going to go because, number one, I love performing. And I know that on the night, no matter how down and tired I'm feeling, I'll have that eureka moment, that epiphany where I'm like, I'm loving what I'm doing. I knew that was going to happen. And number two, I just had the feeling that something was going to, again, pay it forward. Something was going to happen afterwards. I didn't know what it was, but I just felt like there was an opportunity in that gig. Even though that gig was a, it was a great gig in Manchester, it was cool, but I just felt like something was going to happen after that. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks afterwards, when I get back, a few weeks afterwards, then um, the agent who got me that particular gig then reaches out and says, uh, hey, bro, um, we've got an opportunity in Greece for this summer. Uh, we'd love to you know, consider you as a resident. And I was like, okay, let's hear it. Heard about the opportunity and bro, like I, I sent like one thing and my discography and all that kind of stuff. Straight away, man, they got back to me. I'm on a flight next week, next week, Friday, another exclusive next week, Friday, um, heading out there for the summer, man, gigging entire summer, bro. I'm found a studio out there that I'm going to be working from. So I'm going to be getting inspiration from another island in you know, Greece and live up that European lifestyle. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't just, you know, really dig deep that particular week when I was having a bad week and just go. Like my business was actually, it went from being sky high to in tatters that month. I don't know what had happened. Things were just taking a turn. Um, I was cheated out a bunch of deals. Loads of stuff was going on, a bunch of backstabbers. So I was just like in this frame of mind where I was like, can I do this? And by me actually going, it's now ended up with a summer of of bliss, of just total bliss. I'm going to be, you know, enjoying a real nice chilled out lifestyle and on the beach um, playing tunes to people that I love. So it's going to be a good vibe, man. It's all come, like I say, from just digging deep sometimes on those days where you don't feel like it, you'd be surprised. That's just nature testing you. And, you know, on the, on the way to work on those days that, that you're really feeling it, something's going to happen. It could be that, you know, somebody sees you in the street who needs to get some sort of business from you in the future. And that reminds them to, it could be that there's somebody who, I don't know, could have ended their lives that day because you smiled at them a particular way on the pavement. That's inspired them to carry on going. Like something will happen. You've just got to really dig deep, not for, not always just for you, but for everyone around you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really true. And I, you know, people, and I love that luck example. I think you make your own luck. I yeah. think, and I believe in the positivity of if you put positive energy out and you believe in positive things, positive things tend to happen. I think mm-hmm. if you look for negativity, you will find it as well. So, so it true. is a double-edged sword, but you also know that if you look for positive, you will also find it and you will attract it. And mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. So the the power of the mind, I mean, everyone talks about it and everyone's like, and every single motivational talk, every book, they're like, the thing that 
is more important than motivation is discipline. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is because yeah. they're not all motivated all the time. Michael Jordan was not motivated all the time, but he was extremely disciplined and hardworking. And I think you got to get to a habit. It becomes a habit. Like people always wonder. And I always, I wonder like, how do those bodybuilders do it? It's discipline. Mm. It fucking sucks what they do. Eating chicken and rice and spinach. And it's, it's, it's boring. It's a boring, boring ass diet, but without doing that, you know, they're not going to dig deep enough for, for the results to happen. And it's the same principle, you know, their, their abs being made in the kitchen. And as a musician, your IP, your intellectual property being made in the studio, it's no different. The two analogies are incredibly similar, incredibly similar because, you know, a lot of what an athlete will do at home, what, you know, what, what they put on their plates will often have more of an impact or a little bit more of an impact than, than, than the training itself, you know? So then going on stage, then people don't see all of that. It's like the whole, um, the image, the sort of meme analogy of the, uh, of the iceberg. And then you only see that little bit of success. You don't see all the rest of it underneath. And it is very cliche, but it's so, so, so true because you don't see it. You know, we don't see, although I was going to say we don't see Kanye have his breakdowns. We have because the media so tightened him. But, you know, if he was an indie artist on his way up, you know, we didn't see all of that other stuff. A lot of people didn't even respect him until they saw the Jesus documentary. People didn't realize that that guy had actually walked into Def Jam, walked up to the to, to the presidents, walked up to every single AR in the room, played them the song, played All Falls Down, and all the other amazing, amazing now billboard tracks that he's got. And they literally just carried on texting the phone. Yeah, whatever, cool, nice, whatever. You know, they didn't care. And people didn't realize that. Now, most people would have broken at that point, 100%. And I know that it would have really tested me going in there pouring my heart and soul out in my music, showing them it, and then just going like, no, whatever, not even commenting on it. But there was some sort of resilience in that guy that he knew he had this crazy, crazy, crazy belief in himself, which a lot of people would say was absurd. You know, a lot of people would say like, you know, his confidence was too much. It was arrogance. But if, if you can find that, that balance between that sort of quiet, uh, and arrogance is a nasty word, but that, that quiet confidence where you can say somebody and stand straight eye to eye, say, no, I'm not, I'm going to be huge, but do it in a, you know, a calm and collective way, then you're winning hundred percent. There is a fine line between uh, insanity and genius. Yeah. And I think there is, and I, I wonder this about myself. I'm like, am yeah. I like everybody else who thinks this is good? Like, it's weird because I'm an overthinker. So I think a lot. Um, and I, I think about these things and I'm like, the way I talk about the podcast is I don't talk, but some people may say, well, you know, it might have, and I go, no, 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 it's not might, it will. I believe, yeah. I honestly believe in the power of thought and power of language. So I say, I say, when I become big, when I, I, it's not a, it's not a maybe. I don't like those words because it means that there is a chance it won't work. Um, in the same way that when, you know, people say when they come home, I need a drink. I, I'm like, I don't need one. I want one. And that difference in language is important to me because it changes just my mindset. So like mm. that belief of like, am I like everybody else who is potentially delusional? But it's like, no, I don't think so. Everyone can make it. It's like, how hard do you have to work to get there? I think that's the, the truth of it is like, you I've just got, got a good to believe example and work hard enough. I got a good example there for you. Like when you said that, that sort of delusion that can help you, 
um, Russ is a perfect example of, of that. His um, his podcast interview that he did with Jay Shetty, I watched that back to front, forward to back, time and time again. I watched it time and time again. And the reason that I did is because it fascinated me that he admitted on there, and I think he's one of the only artists to ever admit that, that the whole fake it till you make it thing doesn't have to be in the sense of suggesting, um, being suggestive that something is yours when it's not. It's more so a case of telling people this is exactly what I'm going to get and where I'm going to get it. And this is how I visualized it. And I'm going to tell you the story of it. And that's exactly what he did. You know, t- 10 years before he actually was driving the car that he wanted, buying his mum the house, he visioned himself turning into the driveway with the car to show his mum her new house. He actually rapped about that on his first tapes as if it had already happened. Now, a lot of people will be like, ah, oh, he's just faking it. Blah, 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 blah. He's just faking it. So he made it. But 10 years later, he did that exact same thing. You know, he did it for, for real. He did it in real life. So the fact that you can be so quietly confident and, and so seemingly delusional to the point where you can actually convince your brain to, to vibrate at that higher frequency, to bring you that abundance in wealth, in power, in knowledge, in freedom, you know, it's inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable because it's done, been done 10 times out of 10. There's nobody I know who who doesn't follow the law of attraction uh, uh, in their principles and say that it doesn't work. There's nobody that said, oh, you know, I've been, I've been manifesting all these great things, but nothing's actually happened to me for five years. Nobody's ever said that. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't know anybody that's actually practiced it real deep down, real deep down. I'm talking meditative. I'm talking, you know, being really spiritually aligned whether it's going on trips like myself, whether it's being, you know, really meditative and into your yoga, whether it's simply just writing things down and just strategizing your life a little bit more. It, it could be any single way you want. It can be on our low hanging fruit or the micro, the micro kind of amount, which is literally just mapping it out once or twice. It could be the macro amount where you fully believe you are that person and you envision that person, you know, you, you totally let go of your identity of who people perceive you to be and put yourself into that, that personification that's the kind of level that I'm talking. That's the kind of level that I'm vibrating at constantly. You know, I don't see, you know, for example, right. When the business went a little crazy um, and I, I, what happened was I've got a track coming out called Lifeline and it tells the exact story of me being robbed of uh, four bags. So four grand right there gone. And we had a bunch of things that went wrong. And I was like, right, I've got no cash to pay payrolls. My first years a business owner uh, sorry first month as a business owner in four or five years uh, as a self-employed business owner that I haven't been able to make payroll for my seven members of the team and I was like right what can I do right I'm going to move home in my mum's now me doing that and coming into my mum's for three four months then led to the Greece opportunity that I'm talking about it led to the new management it led to two tapes coming out I spent more time in the studios more time and engineering and things like that because I'm operating at such this higher kind of frequency I don't see it as Oh God, I'm I'm such a failure. I'm oh, God, I'm back at home. I'm doing this. I'm doing that because I'm at this kind of wavelength right now where I don't see all that. I still see the mansions. I still see the cars. I still see, and aside from that materialistic shit, I just see me being the person that I want to be, which is far more important than any of that. You know, I see me being happier and healthy. I see me making the success I want. I see crowds, and the fact that Russ was able to do that for so long and for so many people to sort of cuss him out and say, you can't rap about, you know, selling out these shows when you've not sold out, you know, 200 people, you can't rap about buying your mama house when you couldn't even, you know, buy the key for the house itself. And then to them, you know, 10 years later to be like, look, I told you so. 
And that's the crazy thing is that now after so long, people have thought I'm crazy. The kind of shit that I say, you know, I go on vlogs and I talk for days about how, um, you know, I'm going to get this, this and that, or I don't know the labor's going to do this, this and that. I'm going to do this, this and that. And people, so many people, you know, come up to me and they say, you know, man, you're really, really like Marmite. You know, you you read people really do either love you or just fucking hate you. They despise you. And there's a lot of people who are on the latter. You know, they, they do not like what I do, but I, guarantee nine times out of 10 they end up coming you know back to me a year two three years later and then they say oh well well play man fair play to you i like that release i like this i like what you're doing here because people don't get it until until it really hits them in the face a lot of the time and i think that goes back to our earlier conversation of putting things out there and not worrying what people think i think the level of delusion that you've got to hit in order to really get to that next stage is not giving a damn what people think you know can you Kanye's bank account doesn't change regardless of if you like him or hate him. You know, his family doesn't change if you like him or hate him. You know, him, his morning routine will not change if you like him or hate him. That guy does not care and never will. And that's the same for most artists. You know, most artists have that can do and fuck you kind of attitude. But I think it's important in this industry because it's getting more and more cutthroat these days. It's getting more and more harsh and with the rise of social media over the last few years. Things are getting real nasty. You know, you drop a song, you could be hated or seemingly hated but if you're able to bounce back and sort of be like i don't care that's just a little sample of something you know that's one percent of my discography or if that you know we got to, on average you know 80 to 100 years each on this planet you know you can't you can't base somebody's entire livelihood off of one little thing a lot of the time there's there's a far bigger mission to all this i agree and i find it weird that like you know, I, we, we do cancel people these days. Like people get canceled, yeah, but some people seem to be uncancelable. Like they just, you know, people have tried, but never happens. You know, I look at someone like Chris Brown and I'm like, I don't even know how he's still around with the shit that he did, but he's still making music with big artists. People still love him. And it, it's, it's weird that like, we're just in this stage. I think it's like the evolution of humans is like, we're just, in this wave of like, but we all have flaws and like, obviously some flaws are bigger than others. I'm not condoning what Chris Brown did, but like there is also a kind of redemption story that I think is attractive to all of us that like you can come back from, you know, doing something bad and redeem yourself. And I think that's probably what it is with Chris Brown looking from the outside in. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. We're, We're in this weird space. And I think you're right that like, most artists stop caring. They get to a point where it's like, I make the music I want to make. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. People are going to like it. I'll have my fans and that'll be it. And I think that's pretty much where they are. And Van Gogh never made any money while he was alive. Never made it a cent. Like he made zero money, but he kept producing artwork. It became Mm. timeless and they became real pieces of art after he passed away. It's sad and it shows that sometimes we as fans don't appreciate something until it's too late, but it also shows that we're not always right and that to create a timeless piece of art, sometimes people can't like it for it to be timeless. It takes people to catch up. So I think there's there's a little bit of that in us of like, sometimes you just got to be true to yourself and trust your instinct. And like you said, operate at a higher frequency. I know that objectively, if I looked at you 
and we're like, man, he's moving back in his mom's house. His career has gone bad. Yeah. That would be my thought, but that's my insecurity on you. Whereas you yeah. were like, this is what I need to do to make sure the business goes. I'm still yeah. doing well. Everything's going in the right direction. You know, one step back, two step forward, that kind of mentality. So sometimes it's a reflection of you or it's a reflection of the fan, not a reflection of you as an artist. 100% man you can't you judging somebody by their environment is such a is such a dangerous thing to do because an environment is temporary so what i find is that when for example like moving back in with my mom's it was amazing because you know all of a sudden you know my clothes are being washed and all this kind of stuff i'm 26 years old and i feel like a kid again for a second like yeah great amazing but then when i'm seeing my friends and they're going like um oh you moved back in oh sorry things are tough and all this kind of stuff i'm like yeah yeah but but it's fine because you know the business is actually operating well again now, you know, we're, we're hitting payroll fine. Um, and, you know, I'm still a six figure business. In fact, we've, we've, we've doubled that now where we're doing crazy numbers and we're working in now between six to eight countries now, rather than four things are going crazy. But because I'm here, then people are like, Oh yeah, I know, but he hasn't got the mortgage yet. He hasn't got this. He hasn't got that. And people are just in this comparison game. And let me tell you something in the game of comparison, no one wins. No one wins because a game of comparison means that there's a game of subjectivity. And where there's a game of subjectivity, there's a game of opinion. It's impossible for you to win that debate. It is impossible. So the only person you can win it with is yourself. If you are happy and you need to downsize, you need to do whatever you need to do to make it work, you do it. Because I can tell you something, I would rather be spending a grand, two grand a month on my studio sessions and making sure my team are all in check um, on, on my recording side of things, right? Then spending that on on lining some landlord's pocket for for me to stay in a rental that is just ten minutes away from here, but is a bit more central. Like, what's the difference? You know what I mean? One 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 option means that I, I have no music and um, I'm struggling to even get shit out there, but I'm I'm just you know overly focused on paying a bill. Whereas the other one means that I take a step back and I go right, let's assess and let's move forward properly and strategically and invest properly. You know, I'll always invest in myself more than anything else. Always, always. And going back to what you said about Van Gogh, I mean, exactly the same situation in the sense of constantly investing in yourself and not seeing a return for so long. So, so long. This is the long game. Like, business is a long game. And I knew that when I went into it because I knew that when I started my company, I knew that, like you said earlier, three to five years, that's the deadly mark. You know, will it, will it reach that? And it did, and it's been flourishing ever since. However, I know that music is an even longer game than that. You know, three to five years is relatively short compared to music. Like like Kanye said, 10 years for an overnight success, right? So what I've realized is, is that a lot of what I'm doing right now and a lot of, you know, these late, late night studio sessions like last night, 4 a.m. finish, you know, I'll be back on the straight after this call. And I know that this, for me, is impact over numbers. And in 2022, this may have this much impact. In 2026, it may have this much impact. In the year... 2080 it could have this much impact so it totally is relative to the situation what's going on at the time and if you're able to create that piece of timeless art then you're always going to win because i'm all about creating legacy i don't i don't mind for short-term gain too much for me a short-term gain is just to make sure that that i can pay my, my team that's it that's my short-term gain that that's my immediate fund okay how can i make these sales okay i've made these sales pay my team cool everyone's eating that's that's main thing. I just make sure everyone's eating. As me as the leader of that, my company Haynes Co. As Lloyd Haynes of Haynes Co. Everyone's got to eat. That is it. Providing everyone's feeding their families, feeding themselves. I'm happy. So long as I got money to invest in my music and what I want to do and pave the way for future growth. That's it. 
you know i'd rather be sat here making beats all day and and you know jumping on tracks and doing all this stuff and releasing other artists i'd rather be doing that all day than than buying a bunch of properties and just waiting for them to to increase in value that's one thing i've realized man like you know i think investing in yourself is is a riskless mission because you could lose money but the amount of knowledge and and wealth of, of abundance and you know who you are your identity understanding that more that's that's worth crazy amounts heller amounts than any any crypto any property any anything you know um and i'm always going to be very in tune with with my business side of things and uh how to run things economically speaking but i do think it's incredibly important to invest in yourself and there's definitely not enough people doing that whether that be in knowledge of courses whether it be in their art, whether it be in any sort of craft, really, you know, create legacy because legacy will will outshine you. It will outlive you. And that's the point of it. Well, I think that's a great message and stick true to what you'd like. Is mm. like, yeah. I know personally that you can make money on the stock market, mm. but I know also I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to be real. I don't yeah. have the energy, the passion, the real, I, I'm not interested. You can, my brother starts talking to me about it and my eyes glaze over immediately, like immediately. And maybe that's a mindset thing, but like, literally I'm like, I, you're talking to me now, like, but you start talking to me about this and I'm tuned in Mm. and it's like, you can't be, you can't be like a master at everything. You can do lots of things. And I think you should do lots of things, but at the same time, like choose some things that you care about. Choose some things that, you know, you really want to do. And if, and if that is investing in properties and that's what you love and yeah, you love sure. that idea and that's your legacy, you want that to be it, then do that. There's no yeah. right or wrong thing. But I think sometimes we're told you should be doing something. And exactly. it's like, by who? Are you, are you told you should be married and have kids by the person mm-hmm. who's married and have kids? Is it because mm-hmm. they aren't happy with where they're at and they're projecting their own life. And they want to tell you that they're ahead of you because they've got these things when in reality, they wish they were you and they didn't have those things and they wanted to be free and be able to be an artist. Maybe, maybe not, but at the same time, like each journey is their own. And I know like some people will look at me, I'm 28 and they're like, he, he doesn't have a long-term partner. He's not married, but I'm at the same time. I'm like, yeah, but I'm leaving my life. And it's like, you want to control and I'm I'm always like, you want to be the best person you can be and you'll find the person or people, whatever, however you want to do it, that you want to be with, but you got to stay true to yourself. I would hate to be right now married with kids. I just know I would be so unhappy. So it's like, there's no real right or wrong way. You just got to. Yeah. Everyone's on a different timeline and there's no blueprint to all of this either, but you know, you, you love what you do and you never work a day in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you don't want to have hard days. You'll have days where you don't want to go in the studio you have days where you don't want to, you know, get started on doing those uh, profit and loss sheets. So, you know, you don't want to meet, you don't want to do that sales call. You don't want to do this. There are those days. And I just think that that's human nature. I think as a species, we are incredibly productive, but there are times when we can be very, very, very lazy. Like, let's be real there. Even, even the biggest and highest achievers have those burnout moments where they're just like, you know what? I just want to binge watch a series this whole week. I'm not even talking like just a Sunday. I'm talking like a whole week. And that's why the whole hustle or die regime is just crazy and just unrealistic. Um, 
and I know somebody whose content I consume so much, Gary V, it was really slammed. He was absolutely slammed years ago and still is now even about a lot of the hustle culture that he, that he instilled. But I don't think he meant to. And now that he's sort of backtracking and saying, no, guys, you know, I believe in sleep. I believe in family. I believe in, you know, enjoying your work. And I think most of us, if not all of us, have been in jobs or some sort of role that we hated and it is painful, man. It is painful. Like I've worn a suit every single morning to the point where it's given me a rash. And I don't even think that that's because of the fabric. That's purely stress related. And I was working as a lawyer for two years and I hated it, man. You know, my degree isn't even in music, although I've always been music trained as a kid, born into musical theater and drama. I wasn't actually, you know, I didn't actually pursue it on a professional basis initially I was like no I need to be like you said I need to do the nine five thing I need to you know get a family straight away I need to do this pipeline dream bullshit like and that, that's just the way that we've been ingrained to do that but I do think Funny, our I, generation- did a, I did a law degree as well did you oh yeah. my god yeah yeah, yeah 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 so I thought Sick. I wanted to be a lawyer as well um and I worked yeah. at law home for 30 days and it fucking sucked <laughs> it was so bad. It was the worst it internship. It was the absolute Crazy. worst. I hated it. And I'd never, I like the more I did my law degree, the more I was like, fuck this. Like mm. it just, it's, and I thought, here's what I thought it would be. And my mom always said, it's not going to be that, but okay, if you want to do it. I thought it would be like suits or I thought it would be like, I'm standing in a courtroom and I'm talking and I'm just arguing with people and it's just fun. I've always liked public speaking. Yeah, they, they glamorize it in such a way. And I'm doing this. I mean, it's, it's helped be, being a lawyer helped me massively with regards to the business and contractually speaking and legalities, how to pursue certain situations and sort of my dealing with people has changed for sure. But when it came to the actual corporate side and living that corporate lifestyle and the high rise buildings, the city centers and stuff, and I was like, this ain't all that. Um, and I think the real moment for me was the fact that I was finishing gigs at like three, four in the morning. And then I'd be up at seven for work. And that's like, that's not sustainable at all. So it got to the point where I was just operating constantly on adrenaline. That was the only thing that kept me going. Like I had no food residual. I had no energy at all. I was just burnt out, but I thought that I was fine. And I just thought I was a machine. I remember thinking like, oh my God, I don't need sleep. I don't need anything. And obviously then I just got ill, white face. I was like pale. And I remember my dad turned to me one day. I'll never forget it. Sat me on the couch and, and he said, look, you need to start doing what you love you're killing yourself you need to decide now you can't live this double life anymore you know and there's not many parents out there same with my mother as well like both my mom and dad there's not many parents out there who like support support their kids through you know choosing it, it, what they love there's not many that do that a lot of a lot of parents are very much not everyone but a lot of parents are very much you know the nine to five lifestyle living the corporate job getting the family getting the house do this do and it goes on and on but i think having parents who are finally breaking the mold of that is going to pave the way for the next generations and you know our generation now needs to be doing that because otherwise we're just going to create a load of people who are just damn upset and um you know i think that i think the one thing that's changed that massively though is this whole like remote working era now like everybody doing that now people are far more connected with one another that way um productivity in my opinion has gone right up since i've done it with my team you know, and I think that that's super important because like I said earlier, you love what you do. You never work a day in your life. Love what you do and do do what you love. Simple as that. Yeah. And I've always said, I don't give a shit if you work eight hours a day, 12 hours mm. a day or six. Yeah. If you give me the results, I don't care. Yeah. I'll leave you alone. Yeah. It's yeah. on you to get the results. That's I've always been that mentality. 
mm-hmm. work a three day week, but fuck, if you don't get the results, I'm going to be on your ass. You know that. So like, yeah. that's the deal. So if you can get it all done, amazing. Yeah. If you can't, it, it, then you better work it, it, longer. That's, that's just, that's just life. I think that's a way better attitude. I've always hated the nine to five. You got to be there from nine till five. It doesn't take me that long. And now I'm just yeah. sitting here just going, waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah, exactly. I've always been one of those people. I can do things quickly and well. And so like whenever, whenever a boss has said like, can you do this? I'm like, when do you need to buy? Mm-hmm. That has always been my first question. When do you need to buy? Cause if they're like, I only need it on Friday, it'll be done on Wednesday and I'm going to hand it in on Thursday. And it's only yeah. going to take me a couple of hours, but you, I play the game. Because I know if I do exactly. it today, I'm going to have more work today. Yeah. So you play the game of like, and that, that's <laughs> so fucked. Like that's it's because so you just end up playing the system because you still want to get paid. You just don't want to work as hard. And like, yeah. why would you put more work on yourself for somebody else? Like exactly. Whether I get, whether I do this report today and another report tomorrow, or I do one report all week, I get paid mm. the same. Exactly. Like- and that's why I think results, results driven, um, results driven remunerations, results driven pay seems to work far better for people because it's just that it's that instinctive factors and it? it's giving them that enticement of look, you get this, then you get this back, and that'll happen every single time. Like I think bonus structure is super important. Not not so much just in the sales sense, but really one thing that I often say is that everybody's in a game of sales. Everyone, whether you're an artist whether you're you're working um, as a as a joiner, whether you're working as a plumber, whether you're working even in in the government, you know, government have tenders, government need funding through taxes. Everything is a game of sales. And people, I think, forget that. So when people say to me things like, ah, you know, I I, I like releasing music, the classic indie, indie artist thing is I like releasing music, but I just hate marketing myself. I'm like, but everyone is in the game of sales. You go into any role, you're going to have to be in a game of sales. Even if you are a, an intrinsic member of the team that doesn't even speak to customs, to customers, you're still in a game of sales because the bottom line is if they don't make profit, you cannot stay. So clearly everybody is in the game of sales. I think we all forget that. So like you said earlier, where, where you end up playing the system and working against that profitability, I think companies are finally, well, not all, but companies are, are soon starting to realize that it doesn't work that way. You know, you need to have those reward systems in place. Otherwise, people just don't pioneer the company and its ethos enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all been food for thought. All my career, I moved from lawyer or wanting to be a lawyer to wanting to be in marketing. And I went into sales because yeah. I was like, and I like that results base. Like, it's really easy. You either hit target or you don't. You yeah. can talk all you want, but yeah. you miss target or you hit target. And yeah. and I always say to everybody, the great thing about sales is you get paid a base and you get paid mm. extra for just doing your job. Mm. That's it. Why would you not want that? And I agree, whether it's customer service, whether it's internally, and I always look at, you look at a manager, they're trying to sell you on something. They want you to mm. do something. They're trying to sell you. They're trying to convince you. You're right. Sales is absolutely everything. You know, how do I get guests? I had to sell you on agreeing to be here. How do you get someone to listen to your music? You have to sell them on investing the time. It's ROI, return on investment, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's a conversation, it doesn't have to be money, but 
we're always selling something. And the sooner we realize that, the easier it's going to be. Think about like if there's a single singles who are listening right now, you're all, all in a game of sales if you've got a Tinder profile. You are in a game of sales because you are selling the idea of somebody spending their time, potentially money, if, if unless you pay um, an effort on jumping on a date with you or hooking up. Like it is a game of sale because they've got options of products in front of them and they're deciding which one they want to go for. So you're always, always in a game of sales. And I think that when people say to me things like, I just don't know how to market myself, like surely that can't be what you're telling me. Like, okay, tell me that you need some help with it. You've tried this, you've tried that, but that doesn't work, this doesn't work, et cetera. But don't just blanket ban yourself like that. Don't just say with absolute certainty, uh, no, I just, I just don't, I can't market myself. I can't do it. That doesn't make any sense to me because our whole lives, we've had to sell ourselves to be in the right friendship group. We've had to sell ourselves to be picked in the football team when they're picking up the, the, the lads who want to play. We've had to sell ourselves every single time to, to schools in order to get in, you know, in, in high schools and universities and our reports and everything we've had to do is a game of sale. I think that if, if you genuinely believe that you can't market yourself, then there needs to be a deeper understanding of who you are first before realizing that it's, it's not the sales that's the problem, it's your perception of yourself instead. So I think that there's, yeah, like I said, there's so much food for thought in, in that kind of discussion because I think a lot of people don't realize that there's, there's that angle to it. Well, people have said to me, you know, I'm not good at sales. And I'm like, yeah. it's not that hard. Like, honestly, yeah. it's not. I've yeah. seen, like, you know, I started doing it. Well, it's, yeah, be yourself, pick up the phone and for you fucking call people. And, like, it's not that hard. I think they just forget it's just a conversation. Like, it's just an angled conversation. And in a way, that's all it is. And I think you're right. They also don't realize that they've been selling their whole life. They've got this hmm. picture of a salesperson, which is car used car salesperson. Car window. Mean, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. door knocking, which they do exist. And fuck, that's hard shit. Like I used to sell at a bank. I used to sell credit cards and personal loans. So I've done that kind of shit work. Yeah. I get it. But it's also not that difficult. And I think it's just about, you know, it's the it's the whole iceberg thing. You mm. and the whole Michael Jordan. I missed nine thousand shots so I could hit the one that matters. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. I fucked up thousands, hundreds of calls, thousands of calls. I fucked up so many deals, but I also got a lot because I fucked up so many in the same way that you've made a lot of songs. I'm sure there are songs that you've never released and you're like, I fucked that one up. The sound wasn't good, but you do all that so that the songs that you release are good. It's all training. Exactly. It's all practice. There's, and it's a mindset thing of like, you never fail. You just learn. That's what it is. It's learning. Okay. You made a mistake. Didn't work. Now I just got to take that lesson and improve. That's, mm. there's no such thing as failing. It's like the only time you fail is when you quit. That's the mm. only time. Amen. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said there about, you know, doing one song and then sort of going, ah, oh, that one didn't work. Um, but it sort of paved the way for the next one. I see that a lot. You know, there's a lot of times where in a session, maybe the session has produced, say, one track that's yeah great we're ready to box that off then we go into the second and a half of the session we want another track out of it we don't get it out of it but there was one the other week where engineer I was with hefty who's a great guy turned to me and he just said he said oh that, that key's nice for you that key's nice you know c sharp key remember that that's nice and then i remembered that from that session even though we didn't end up with a song of, the, of that caliber at the time 
went into the next session and we started writing in, in C sharps and we knew that, that that's where we needed to be. So like a lot of the time, you know, you'll do something and there'll be a slight little piece of knowledge, that little nugget of information that you get from that particular session that then paves the way for the next thing. Um, it could be a discussion about your branding. It could be a discussion about, you know, the, the, the sonically what your product needs to sound like, but there there's studio sessions are never bad days. I don't think you, there's, there's times where something doesn't happen or seemingly doesn't happen, but again, it pays the way for something else. Like I mentioned earlier, it's the hard work meeting the opportunity thing all over again. You know, you, you're putting that work in, something's going to come back later on. It just may not be as quick. And that's why the whole instant gratification culture needs to go. If you're in the music game, certainly, certainly if you're a businessman, but if you're in the music game, it definitely needs to go because, you know, if you're expecting to come in and then leave and, with with the exact replica in your mind of what it needs to be like and to get it dead straight like quickly it's not always the case things come up things crop up because that's art that's what happens you know it's never really perfect it's never really done it's never really refined what does done even mean what does a song being done even mean <laughs> it doesn't mean anything it just means it's released if a song's released is it done i don't know it could be done again it could be re- remastered it could be repurposed it could be it's all interchangeable as content. It can go anywhere. It can be restructured. It can be performed. Like nothing's ever done. So I think that's why you sometimes got to get over that hurdle and just, just go do it. Just go do it. Simple as that. Well, John Connor, I spoke to, and he was like, my attitude with music is as soon as I release it, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. And I, okay. And I let go. And I let go of it. It's now the, the, the audience's song. I let go of it and I move on and it's time to make the next one and I don't hold on to it. And I was like, such a cool mindset of like, I like that. I really like that. And he said, you know, my favorite song is your favorite song. That's like, yeah. And that's the whole know your customer, right? That's the three main elements that are so important. So it's like to him, it's like, I do it. For me, at the beginning, I release it. Now it's yours. You enjoy it. I'm going to go back to making more music. And whichever song you love, I love that song as well. Whether true or not, the attitude of like, I'm here to serve you as the customer is such a cool mindset. We say, you know, they don't care. But like, you always kind of do. You still always want people to like your music. But just the attitude of just being of just of service to like, now it's yours to do with what you want so so strong that he's able to 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 put it that way because i haven't actually heard it put that way before but that that like i say is ultimately knowing you knowing your customer um and creating that no like trust element to the point where they're part of that journey with you and i think that that's so strong for a lot of artists to to really get a hold of that yeah and i think i think it's ego that we hold Mm. on to that it's like my song i want to see how it goes in the charts i want to see how many people are listening to it but like sometimes it's like you know sometimes I mean? it's not like that yeah, yeah yeah there's sometimes where like the the subjective nature of it can really like overwhelm you like i mentioned earlier you know there's sometimes where it can just eat you alive and you're sort of thinking you know oh, what are they going to think what are they going to think there's been times where i've in my mind panicked on the night of a release like oh there's no going back now in my mind i'm like what am i doing why am i why am i saying things like that this is something that i purposely wantingly uh, and wanted to put out to to the masses so roll with it enjoy the process um and i think enjoying the process is is a real strong skill i don't think it is just a, a phase in your mind i don't think it is just a feeling it's a skill to enjoy the process and understand that you are just 
paving the way for wherever it is you need to go. And you know that it's not going to be totally straight. It's going to go over here and round and it's going to be a wavy direction. You know, I, like, like my brother said in, uh, in his lyrics not too long ago, I don't, see, uh, I don't see straight lines. All I see is waves. Like that's literally what it's like. You know, you don't you don't see right. I need to go A to B, and it's got to be bam, 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 bam. Like art isn't isn't from the corporate world. We're not we're not just going to get it in by Wednesday because that's the day it's got to be in, and you know that's when the reports in, and it's got to be you know like this and itemized like this. It's art, so it's gonna it's gonna change. Things are gonna develop. Things are gonna grow. Um, you know, some people that you didn't think would like it end up liking it, and opportunities arise that you can't even imagine. Um, that's why a musician's sort of schedule is probably one of the most confusing ever because as they're putting out more and more art more of these crazy ass opportunities come along that never would have happened they they can't predict that journey you know they it's not just a case of just going into going into your training doing your thing you come out and you know exactly then the ladder progression the progression gets to such a point where you don't know where's next to go you look at the big ogs of the game a lot of them say things like you know when they're asked you know how does it feel right now you know, how does it feel to be doing this, this and that? And they're just like, I don't know, I'm just living a dream. I'm just, I'm just moving. And it gets to such a point that they're not even like, you can see they're not even poised with the look of it. They don't even look like they're, they believe it. They're just like, they feel like it's almost like they're in a simulation. You know, when I see the way that Jack Harlow talks about like his album drop and all these crazy things that are going on for him right now, love him or hate him, regardless, you, the guy's killing it in, in a commercial sense. And when I see him in interviews, literally saying things like, you know, five years ago, people didn't know me or people hated me. Now I can't believe I'm working with all these crazy ass people. Like it is generally like that. And when you realize that, like, you know, by you just digging deep and putting the things out there, the abundance comes back to you, you know, simple, simple. Yeah. And I, I, I like visualize like, you know, a mountainous hills, like mm-hmm. you're going uphill, you think you've got a goal, you achieve the goal. But then you see there's a bunch of other hills that you've got to get past as well. Yeah. So you've got to go down and up and like, you can't see that mu- that far in front of you. You can only see the next step, really. That's like, that's the reality of everyone. And, you know, I think we all fall into the trap of like the, you know, I'm trying to plan 12 steps ahead where it's like, well, no, you can only control today. You mm-hmm. can't control yesterday. You can only control today and you can only control your next step. You can't control the one eight steps from now before you get this one right. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit of like take it one day at a time, take it one step at a time, live in the moment and really just do your best. I think life is made full of moments. I was watching the NBA and I realized basketball is a game full of moments. Like football mm-hmm. is the same. So it's all moments. It's like a pass this way, a pass that way. It's a through ball. It's a shot. It's a cross. Do you work as a team? Do you go solo? It's all moments. And it's good and bad because there are hundreds of thousands of moments we all have. So if you make one wrong moment, that's okay. But it also means you can make a lot of right ones. So it's like, you know, you can feel empowered, but I think that's a good thing. You want lots of moments because it's like you can always change your path. You don't have to be stuck in the same path going one way. You can always make a deviation. And using the football analogy, I mean, it, it also means that things can change in a second. So all that hard work for 18 in, in a football game, all that work for 89 and a half minutes, and there's a 90 minutes before the stoppage, in those last 30 seconds, things could in, things could entirely change. You know, it only takes, what, one to three seconds for, for the ball to go into the net. 
So, you know, using that analogy, a lot of the time, you know, 20 years of releasing as an artist, and maybe in the 19th year, something just goes, whoa. So how gutted would you be? How devastated would you be if you gave up on year 18? And you thought, I'm done, man. You know, things aren't popping as they are. I've done okay, but it's not, it's not enough. And then on year 19, bang, that would have happened. Like you don't want to be, we don't want to be laying in our deathbeds as artists on the day when 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 it comes, when we're much older, sort of saying to ourselves, I wish I did carry that on a little bit longer. I wish I did release that particular thing. I wish I did do that. I'd rather know than wonder what if every time. I 100% agree. I 100% agree with that. And the best thing I ever heard was you're always one song away. Mm. Always. That's always. it. Always. You're always one yeah. song away. You know, you're one kick away in football. You're one shot away in basketball. You're always one away from being a legend or forever remembered for something that you did. Be one empowered moment. by that rather than being like overwhelmed by it. Um, but, you know, I'm aware that we can talk about this forever. Um, and I know we seem to have clicked quite well. Sometimes yeah, you never know. Sure. Um, but sure. um, obviously, I only have one more question for you. I always finish my podcast with a particular question. We'll have to do this again because I feel like we could just talk forever. Um, but yeah, um, sure. if you had to recommend one album that everybody listens to at least once, cannot be your own music, can be any genre of music, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to have to say, and I know that my brother, my father watching would be glad that I say this and expect me to say this. It would be Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Pink Floyd. No one said Pink Floyd yet. You're the first. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, And I know that um, (laughs) my my brother's dad would be uh, even more expecting of us to say, listen to it with the lights off in a black room, just you, eyes closed and chill and listen to the entire thing front to back and that's all i can say because it'll all make sense and once you do that you'll understand where my trippiness at the background of the matrix album cover comes from you'll understand where why i'm so big on synths you'll understand why i'm so big on that sort of creating that soundscape that ambience that storytelling with it before you even said the first lyric um they're the gods Absolute God. So yeah, that that would be the one that I think everyone, musician, non-musician, doesn't matter. Go listen to that. Um, and even if you're not into rock, you're not into this or that, let's not even pigeonhole it because I wouldn't, there's so many genres that that album falls into. Well, I haven't heard of, heard it personally. Like I know it's a big album, but I'll yeah. have to, I'll definitely have to make time, turn off That's the lights. Cool. And- literally, I've got, I've got a pillow back there and it's literally the album cover right there. It's on my bed. So it's definitely, I've got to go with that one. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, run it up. I love it. And obviously Lloyd Haynes came through. You just dropped a single Sativa as well. So everyone make sure you check it out. You've also got the visuals, which are really cool on that one as well up on YouTube and yeah, Matrix, a new albums. Yeah. Matrix coming out. Matrix coming out on, uh, I've got 27th of May is the single Matrix. And then uh, mid June is looking like we're dropping the, the whole tape then. So 10 tracks for you guys. Super excited. I've actually got another um, EP particular, well, purely um, with collaborations for my guys in the States as well, coming out probably July, August time as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot for people to get their ears around this year. Um, I'm super excited for this new wave of music, man. It's going to be crazy. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out now. 
So yeah, that's uh, right. So go run up now. Go yeah, check it out. Check it yeah. out. Make sure you check out Matrix, the single already yeah. dropped. Um, and obviously we'll, you'll you'll have a new EP coming out July, August. So um, by that time, you can look forward to that. Make sure you check out Matrix. But as I said, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I feel Excellent. like we could talk about a lot. I feel like there's a lot we didn't cover about your story, but we'll have to do sure. uh, another we'll do one. Another time. Definitely, yeah, man. for sure. And hopefully by then, by then I got far more news to tell you as well. So looking forward to dropping more exclusive with you. But thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. No worries. My pleasure. I hope you you still feel better and you're on the rise and uh, good luck with the recording session today. Thank you, my man. Big love. Big love. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.